Like it brought up so much sadness, so much anger. And I didn't want to get lost in that. And so, yeah, I feel like it is medicine. And yeah, everybody has to go at their own pace, but just know that we're all going. Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. And for anyone who's new to the community, thank you for joining us. I'm really grateful when people spread the word and to have more of us gathering. This community is becoming, oh, it's a growing one. And it really just fills my soul that we are able to come together and be here for each other and learn from each other. And that's part of my commitment in on this show is to bring people on who are rebelling for really big stuff in this world and who are really making a difference so we can learn from them and be inspired by them and we can keep doing our own work. And I have to tell you, today's guest, Monique DeBose, who this is astounding. Monique is a dear friend of mine. We met in our coaching community two and a half years ago, and she continues to blow my mind. And the past, what she's been able to do in the past like 18 months to two years, man, she is a chart-topping singer. She's an award-winning playwright who has a one-woman play of her own. She's a cultural trailblazer. And that's what we talk about a lot in this particular episode. We talk a lot about the fact that she is an artivist. Somebody just recently gave her that term and she used it in the conversation and I'm in love with it. I want her to own it. Artivist. It's part artist, part activist. And it's exactly what Monique is doing right now. She's using her genius and her artistic brilliance to make a difference in the world and to rebel for authentic expression and to rebel for us not to see the world in black and white, but to see the world in full color. So much of her work that she's doing right now is in honor of us finally achieving racial justice in this country and then in the world. And it's so powerful. We get to talk about all the things that she has in the world and how they are blowing people's minds. I'm not even going to give you some of the statistics right now, but whew, I'll tell you the passion and the hope and even the rage and the anger that is in her work that is helping to wake us up is really beautiful. And she even sings for us. And what I love is this all traces back to an awakening that Monique has had for herself. She grew up the daughter of an Irish-American mother and an African-American father. And as a mixed-race woman, kind of silenced herself. 
you know, felt like she was could be on both sides, but she was hearing conflicting information and silenced herself to the point where it actually caused trauma in her body. And when she was awakened to that trauma a few years ago, she started to have a dialogue and to get into relationship with her body and listen to it. And it was asking her to step into her voice and to express herself authentically and stop compartmentalizing everything. And then she would be free. And that's where the work that we talk about comes from. It is so beautiful. And she even sings for us. It's really amazing, you guys. This is one of those conversations. It will get you fired up. Monique calls us all into action with her new single that's out in the video that is, oh, the video she created around it, which has real footage from recent protests, is powerful. And she's calling all of us into action and helping us to understand how we can make a difference, how we can take steps forward to heal individually and to heal collectively as a nation and as a world, as a planet. She's a leader in this healing. And it is, it's so amazing to see her stepping into this power and stepping into her authenticity and into her voice and sharing that with all of us. And I'm so honored to have her here and to let you guys in on somebody who I just think is so special. And you can say, I knew her when. <laughs> you can say, when she was on Rebel Souls, she was climbing the charts. And man, we have not seen the last of Monique. In fact, I think we are witnessing her rocket blast into space. And I couldn't be more excited so yeah, sink into this. And before we get into the conversation, I want to read you guys a quote. It's actually a quote that Monique put on a Facebook post recently. It was right after the murder of George Floyd. And she had kind of improvised this very, very emotional song that was built off of Marvin Gaye's Makes Me Want to Holler. And she talks about it in our conversation. And it woke her up to the fact that her artistry, her artivism can help move things forward in the world. And it reminded her of Nina Simone. And I'm going to read you the quote from Nina Simone as context for this conversation with Monique, because there is no doubt in my mind that this is Monique's path, not Nina Simone's specific path, but in the calling or in an artist's duty. And that's what Nina talks about. Here's the quote. An artist's duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to reflect the times. I think that is true of painters, sculptors, poets, musicians. As far as I'm concerned, it's their choice. But I choose to reflect the times and situations in which I find myself. That, to me, is my duty. And at this crucial time in our lives, when everyone is so desperate, when every day is a matter of survival, I don't think you can help but be involved. The quotation goes on, but I'm going to leave it there. And I, I hope that every single one of you who is listening to this feels the same way by the end of this, that we can't help but be involved, that we can't help to see this as our duty 
to authentically express ourselves, to step into our voices, and to be a part of the progress and the solution for racial justice. And Monique is our fearless and very beautiful leader. So listen in and enjoy. Before we begin, I want to share an offering from my soul to yours. If you've achieved traditional success only to realize that you're living someone else's dream, then this will start you on a profound journey toward becoming chief soul officer of your own life, just like I did. I'm gifting you a free chapter from my book, Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. It's called Liberating from the Shackles of Should. And if you're ready to, then visit soulbatical.com to download it for free. That's S-O-U-L-B-B-A-T-I-C-A-L.com. Warning, side effects include intense joy and fulfillment. Welcome back, fellow rebel souls. Oh, this is such a treat. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know Monique. My dear friend, Monique DeBose, is so freaking talented and one of my favorite people on earth. So welcome to the show, Monique. Well, thank you so much. That feels really good. <laughs> I'm oh, happy to be here. I'm really proud of all the amazingness you're putting out into the world. So it's oh, exciting. Girl, um, I'm just trying to catch up with you. Hello. <laughs> like, can we just talk? We're okay. We're gonna spend like the next 45 minutes to an hour talking about <laughs> all of the amazingness that you've been putting out in the world for the past like year and a half, two years. I mean, it's blowing my mind, especially when you're doing. <laughs> Now, I mean, honest to God. So thank you for saying that. I receive it. And I'm looking at you like, how do I get there? <laughs> really? I, I'm going to say yes. Thank you. Oh my God. Own, own it, own it, own it. Okay. Let's Got it. This is going to be so juicy. I can't wait to dig <laughs> in because of all the people I know, like you are putting so much out into the world. It's such a pivotal moment mm. in our history. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, cause I know my signature question sets you up for everything we're going to unpack. <laughs> Monique, what are you rebelling for? Well, uh, I am rebelling for everyone to have a seat at the table. I am rebelling for everyone to be able to own all of who they are, their brilliance, their everything, and that there is space for it in the world. And I am owning that we move from seeing things in just black and white and very binary to seeing things in like full color, like owning everything about ourselves. That's so powerful. And that feels like an amazing summary of the journey that you've been on. <laughs> is, that how, is that how you view it? 100%. I mean, I, I, I've thought about this idea of being an artist and being an activist and an artivist. Somebody came up with that oh. phrase. It wasn't me. <laughs> That's, it's genius though. Own it's it. a great phrase, right? Yeah. And every step along my own personal path I've been seeing it reflected in our greater, like our greater society. So the fact that I was born to a white Irish American mother from upstate New York, whose father, my grandfather has a plane in the Smithsonian because it was the first plane to break this or the first jet to break the sound barrier. And then my dad, who's African American from the segregated South, 
who was the first in his nuclear family to graduate from college. Like being from these two unique worlds, two very American worlds, I am constantly in the space of unpacking what it means to be a mix of cultures and how to own your voice fully in in standing in that mix in all of it. Because I feel like so much of what's happening in our world in this moment, and it's been happening since the beginning of this country, but what's been happening in this moment, the next iteration of it, we need to be able to make space for everybody. Like everybody needs a seat at the table. It's, I love those words that you use. We have to shift from seeing things in black and white to seeing things fully in color, in full color, I think you said. Whew, like that, that landed. And it seems to me like you, I want to talk a little bit about your your background, like your childhood, growing up as a mixed race girl, growing mm-hmm. up with this Irish American mom and an African American dad, what was that experience like? Because I can only imagine it's like, well, I don't quite fit here and I don't quite fit here. And I know this leads to what we'll talk about later, <laughs> your mulatto math and your, your amazing one woman play. But I'm just yeah. curious, like set the context for us. What was it like growing Growing up with kind of that black and white binary view. Sure. And I have to say before I talk further about this, this is my experience. Mm. There are many mixed race people who have a very different in their own unique experience. So I do want to put that into the space because yeah, I can't speak for everybody. Like people say, you know, being black is not a monolith. Being mixed is not a monolith. Being white is not a monolith. Yeah. So we've got that. My experience was two parents who were really trailblazers in their worlds and in their families coming together with cultures they never really had intimate space and time with, you know, it was working with, or, oh, I see those people there. But my parents chose to get married and created four amazing human beings, if I do so for myself. But I always had that feeling of, I'm not sure where I belong. I'm not sure if what grandma is saying right now would fly with the other half of my family. And what do I make of this? Because I love her, but what she's saying is not what is my experience or what is true. And then it's all these questions of, do I speak up as a young child? Do I talk back? Do I just ignore? And that's what I ended up doing a lot. I kind of just ended up keeping everything that I felt inside. Mm -hmm. in service to keeping the peace. And that lives on both sides. And then there were moments when it was like, oh, I could totally lose my my outside self and just be the soul that I was and like jam out and dance my butt off on New Year's Eve at my Irish family's New Year's Eve party, listening to Benny Goodman and just, you know, swinging and playing. And then also I could like just play and hang on the porch with my grandma and granddaddy at like dusk with their neighbors on the porches in Wilmington, North Carolina, talking to each other, just shooting the shit and talking about like what it means, not explicitly what it means to be black, but in that experience. So there were moments where my soul just got fed fully independent of my outside, my outside appearance, I guess is the best way to say it. 
Yeah. Well, and it, and I remember, I think this was on social media. I don't think you told me this personally, but on social media, did you tell a story of when you would go visit your grandfather in North Carolina and the beach that you guys would drive yeah. to? Can you tell that story? Sure. Because I think that's a great setup to understand like what you were just coming to understand and what you've just recently kind of liberated. And that might be yeah. a good bridge into that conversation. Yeah. So when we were younger, my parents, I, I'm from Los Angeles, grew up in LA. And my parents, my dad's from North Carolina, like I said, and my parents would send us some summers to visit our grandma and granddaddy, just to like be with our cousins and be with that part of our family. And I remember my granddaddy used to put us in the car and drive us an hour and a half across state lines down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, so we could go into the ocean. And because that happened, and because I was younger, I didn't have geography yet, <laughs> I didn't know Wilmington was a coastal city. Mm -hmm. I genuinely had no idea that my granddaddy had to put us in the car for an hour and a half. And so as I reflect back and I checked in with my dad, like, what was up? He told me quite clearly, black people weren't allowed to use the beach in Wilmington. And my granddaddy, that is where they could use the beach. So they kept that experience going because that was so ingrained in their experience of what it means to go to the beach. Even though times had changed in the 80s when I was visiting, but they still went that hour and a half. I talk about this in my one woman show because yeah, he did it out of habit. Like, is that, is that really true? And if that is true, is that okay? Like, so that's one example of the experience I didn't understand as a young person. I feel like race was really something that it was a felt experience in our home, but not a spoken, like literal experience. So all these things would be happening. I had a front row seat because I was living in a mixed home, but it wasn't always spoken about or was hush, hush. Oh, you know, the little people are coming in the room, so let's not talk about it. Right. And that is the cycle I'm actually really wanting to break with my children with all that's happening in this time and space. Like it's not a private hush, hush conversation. You can't shield children from it. I mean, you can, and I'm sure many parents do, and they have the privilege to do that. But I don't think it's fair in creating the intention society so many people say they want. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, so when did you become outspoken about all of this? <laughs> when did you, because you just said like it was a felt experience, not a spoken experience. And yet mm -hmm. my experience knowing you over the past, I think I've known you for two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. I've always been blown away by who you are and how you show up in the world and never more than this past, I'm actually getting goosebumps as I'm saying this, never more than in this past 18 months, never more than as I've seen you really start to come into your own mm. and yourself and your power and your voice. So Thank you. that start for you? What was the catalyst? Well, it's a fun little story about the power of our bodies. Mm. <laughs> I was Given the diagnosis, I'm, I'm really just going there. I was given the diagnosis of a desmoid tumor in my abdominal wall in late 2016. And doctors told me right away, like, get on pharmaceuticals and hopefully it won't grow any further, but you'll be on pharmaceuticals for the rest of your life. And I was like, no, look for another opinion. Then the doctor was like, first question she asked me 
was, are you planning on having any more children? And the fact that she had to ask, I mean, I was done. (laughs) Two is enough for me. But the fact that she was asking me that first told me there's going to be some real like shift in my physical body. I'm not okay with that. So I didn't want to do the surgery. And so I, I used tools and techniques that I've learned and that I work with people with sometimes from spiritual psychology, which were, you know, being in conversation, gestalting with it. So I started talking with the tumor and I asked it, what are you here to teach me? And it told me, you have been staying silent for too long. So much, in fact, that all that energy has nowhere to go. So I am it. And so in that conversation, I mean, it was, it, threw me to the floor, like so much sorrow and sadness that I had created this experience. And, and it's not just me creating. I mean, there are many factors in our world that encourage silencing and erasing. But that really was the point where I was like, I could possibly like, ha- like die or have a very like limited experience in like my physical body if I don't start to speak what is true, like this was 40 years of staying silent, of letting things go, of erasing myself so I could be comfortable for you. And the you is that, you know, white dominant culture. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I also have, you know, two young children. I was like, what kind of example am I actually setting So from that place, I mean, I was literally writing my one woman show, sitting at the keyboard. I always love this story because it's so funny now, but I remember I was typing like, oh, I can't write that. And I would hear the tumor energy saying, you have to write it. So I'd be like, okay. And I'd just be typing with my head away from the screen and, you know, crying. Of course. So that's intense. I'll it's never, intense. I will never forget you telling me this story. You and I were sitting, I think in Tokaya Organica, one of the very first times <laughs> I met you in Santa Monica. Yeah. And I was just sat there. I was blown away. And I still, every time I hear you tell this story and I wanted to make sure that our listeners heard this because it's mm-hmm. like, one, it's such a powerful reminder of like what, what, you know, our, our emotion and our stress and all that does to our bodies. Yes. Yes. And, and two, how we can start to get in touch with them again. I mean, the fact yeah. that you had a conversation with this tumor and from that, it led you to expressing your full authentic self in the way that you are today is like, man, if that's not a lesson for all of us, I don't know what is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that reflection. Cause it's scary still every day. Like It's not like, okay, I had that conversation and now I'm out there doing everything. (laughs) Like it's every day, but I know I can't go back. You know, it's like the FedEx era. Once you see it, you can never (laughs) not see it. And I'm sorry, people, if I ruined it for you for your own discovery. But that, I mean, I also wrote, you know, a ton of songs in that moment. And one of those songs I wrote is the song that, is I had to make a video for right now because I feel like me as an artist, like an artivist, how, what can, what can I contribute to what's happening in the world right now? And it made sense that the song Rally Call that I wrote with my brothers from another mother, Isaac and Torold Corin, I felt like I needed to like put that out into the world right now. Yeah. And so... 
And can we just celebrate? You told me this news when we were off camera and I just want to say this out loud and like, I wish I had a bottle of champagne to pop for you right now. 100,000 views. Yes. In less than a week. In less than a week. You guys. That's exciting for an independent artist. From an in, well, well, okay, you're being extremely humble because the other thing I want everybody to know is that Monique has debuted on the iTunes jazz charts at number two before. So she's being extraordinarily humble about her talent. And yet, what I think is so brilliant is something that came from within you. You yeah. recognize that this is the moment in time to really harness that. And you created this kind of real-time video around it with footage of what's been happening around our country since the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others. Right. And that, I mean, again, I have had to tow goosebumps. Like, that's the power. So tell us about Rally Call. Tell us, I actually would love love for you to sing a part of it. Would you be willing to sing some of Rally Color? I'm putting you on the spot um, right now. You are putting me on the spot with my little iPhone microphone. We'll see Rally how it goes. Call, maybe, yeah, maybe, just describe, maybe just describe it. And then if you feel like breaking into song, I'm here for you, girl. Got you. Got you. <laughs> I'm happy to break into song. So Rally Call is a song that I wrote saying we no longer have to wait for somebody to give us permission to be ourselves, to live a full life. And the old ways of dominating, I mean, force, death, but also religion, like, you know, do your time on on planet earth because in heaven you will get all, you know, you will be rewarded for your good behavior to your master. And just all of these tools that have been used to make people stay silent. And I'm speaking specifically about Black people right now. And I think the song really resonates too, because if at any point in your life you have felt like you've had to be silenced or erase yourself, this call is summoning the troops. It is saying anybody who has been oppressed, no more, <laughs> like no more. And I mean, every song I write, I write to myself. It's to that insecure little person inside or that 15-year-old who thought you know she was ugly or just, I always am writing for myself, but I think because I write on subjects that are deeply personal, I think they become importantly universal. So that's what Rally Call is. And so by, by chance, we saw what was happening and I got together with a couple of friends and we were like, let's make a video for this song. Because we didn't have a video for this song. But it was like, there's so much visual imagery that can really speak to this that we decided to go make a video. And I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. I'm so happy to hear you say that because if you didn't, I was going to come like (laughs) reach my hands through there and shake you by the beautiful animal print shirt that you're wearing. (laughs) Girl, this is amazing. And, And I have to tell you, so not only that you secured some like real footage from the protests that are happening around this country today or leading yeah. up to today, but also the footage of you that I presume that you guys filmed. Yeah. I 
feel you. I feel mm. your rage. I feel your passion. I feel your hope. I feel yeah. all of it. So whew, I'm going to make sure that we put a link to all of this in the show notes because I want everybody to go and watch it. And you've got a great hashtag. It's hashtag join the rally call, right? Yes. Right. So, so what are we joining? Jo- what are we joining? What do you want us so to do? Because let me show you, know. you what joining the rally call actually means. Yes. It's three things. It's one, sharing the video. Because I honestly, like, I am such a humble human being. And I can't be humble about this because it's not about me. That's sharing this video is like sharing medicine. I really, I think of what's her name, Julie Andrews, just a spoonful of sugar, all that. Like, this is medicine and the music and the, you know, the pretty lady. And that is the, the spoonful of sugar. But this is medicine. So, Rally call, joining the rally call is number one, sharing the video. Number two is voting or making sure you're registered to vote and getting people in your family who want a better world, a world that is more about being equal and having justice for all, like we say in our, our language as a country, like vote. So that's step number two. And then step number three is educate. So share, vote, educate. And educate means educate yourself. Like We all went through school, most of us, the way school's curriculum have been structured, learning very little about the truth of our country. And this is not to like shame or make wrong those of us who don't know that knowledge, which is majority of us. It's to say, hey, take a moment and really educate yourself because what is being, you know, shared is not, not real. It's not true. Like, Let's make the picture a bigger, more full, more filled in picture so that we actually have something that we can work from. If we're not working from truth, we're really working from like a faulty foundation. So if we can at least, even though it's painful, even though it brings up shame, even though it brings up like guilt, even though it might bring up, you know, disappointment, devastation, if we have truth that we're working from, oh my gosh, what can we create together? Yeah. The, it's anything is possible. Well, and anybody who knows me and follows me, listens to this podcast, you know, just follows me on any channel knows that I've really been digging and doing the work because I was definitely one of those people who, and by the way, I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that because I'm experiencing all of the things you just said. So in educating myself, I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. complicit. I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling all of these things because... I guess I didn't realize like how much I was my silence, my own personal silence and my own personal miseducation was feeding, you know, me kind of just rolling over, right? And And being a part of the system. And so I'm feeling that and I've been trying to feed that to, you know, my community and my friends and just say, hey guys, it's not going to feel comfortable in any way, shape or form. So thank you for reiterating that. I have to tell you the most powerful work I did, not only just learning from all of my friends and thank you for being one of my educators through all of, through your work, your art and just how you're showing up. And Mm -hmm. also through, through books like Me and White Supremacy and answering some Mm. of those questions where you just go... Whew, there's many a night I kind of sat and went, I got some work to do, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, so I, this, oh, I love this three step thing. I love yeah. it. So, share, vote, vote and educate. Educate. 
That's how you can hashtag join the rally call. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we're going to, and I invite everybody who's listening to this to please share this, the rally call video so that we can help others like kind of come alive to yeah. the possibility of, you know, Monique, what you are inviting us to do. And it is your work that's inviting us to do this. Yeah, and I just think you. that's, I love that you are getting the reaction that you're getting. I love that people are just in a week over a hundred thousand. I mean, okay. What? Honest to God. Well, okay. So I'm going to say this. I'm not surprised. And you know why I'm not surprised? I'm surprised. I'll say it. I'm surprised. Okay. I, I, I live my whole life and I know like... <laughs> I know my whole journey in that way. So go on. I'm listening, woman. Go on. So, so okay. You may know what I'm about to say. So in the midst of what was, we were all in quarantine. So we were mm-hmm. all kind of just already experiencing the angst of quarantine. And then the murder of J- Brianna and George. And I will never forget when you just from the depths mm. of your soul I think spontaneously recorded. Mm-hmm. What was it called? Want to make? Want to make? Oh, it's, it, I mean, I started. It was an improvisation. I was just yeah. so distraught, and I honestly started recording because I was going to share it with my sister. Mm-hmm. And then after it finished, I was like, "Oh, this is medicine again. It's not about me, and it's not about like, oh, watch me do me. No, I was like, this can feed and do some like positive healing." Um, so it, I started singing Marvin Gaye's, like Marvin Gaye's album, What's Going On, is one of my favorite albums. Like I just sometimes will set aside a couple of hours and start it and let it go all the way to the end. I love doing that the most, sitting in sunshine. Like that's, that's, that's one of my things I do. But so I think I started off, I think I started off with Makes Me Want to Holler. And that's from a lyric from that album. And then from there, I just like the grief, the rage, the sadness, the, I don't understand all of that just poured through. I have two boys and thinking about my boys and their friends, uh, just, and what mothers have to walk around every day feeling like every mother walks around. Some people, one person described it beautifully, you know, giving birth or having children is like wearing your heart on the outside of your body. And I love that. And that is so vulnerable in itself. But imagine that you live in a, you don't have to imagine, but like you live in a system and a society that has outright said, your heart is not important. Your heart is less valuable. Your, how, your heart is disposable. Like what a mother must walk through, feel every day. It's intense. So in that moment, it all just hit me. And that is what that improv is. And that improv like got a lot of energy and attention. Yeah. And that's why I'm bringing it up. One, Uh, because it was another gift to all of us from you and just from, you know, wherever that came from, from the depths of your soul, we could feel it. And it was such a gift that I I know, I think the last time you and I even talked about this, it was well over 40,000 views. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's way higher. So that's why I'm looking at you and saying, girlfriend, I am not at all surprised that now you've you've taken it up many notches with Rally Call. And it's just going to continue. I love this all feeds off of each other. And this artivist term, own it 
because you are that. Yeah. And your work is medicine because first for you it was medicine and now for us it's yeah. medicine. Right. I and agree. I agree. And it feels like the it's the kind, yeah, it was totally the Julie Andrews. I love that, where it's like, <laughs> okay, that feels palatable, right? Right. Yeah, but it's still right. hard. It's still hard. Well, speaking of that, I'm working with a group of 30 African American coaches and leaders right now. And we talked about that video in our last call. And some people said, and I hadn't even like considered this. Some people said, I couldn't watch your video all the way through the first time I attempted. Like it brought up so much sadness, so much anger, and I didn't want to get lost in that. And so, yeah, I feel like it is medicine. And yeah, everybody has to go at their own pace, but just know that we're all going. Yeah. <laughs> like you can walk slow. And this is for everybody now, not, not the person who shared that, but like you can go slow, but we're all going in this direction. Yeah. Well, that's the call, right? Yeah. The call is like, we can't keep standing still because we've been standing still for way too fucking long. Yeah. That's it. Right. And so thank you for helping to pull us forward and propel us forward, especially if I can speak for my, you know, my my white family. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's so powerful. So I don't want to leave the conversation of your music yet because I do want to talk about mulatto math and your one woman. Sure all the fabulousness. So I want to say, rumor has it that you, one of your songs is up for, or in contention, (laughs) in contention. Nobody paid me to say this, by the way. Oh my God. But I did, I did, I did have, do have a few little, you know, birdies in the community that Monique and I are both a part of. So is it one of your songs is in contention for a Grammy nomination? Well, let me, I, again, going back to my humbleness now, (laughs) So this song in particular, that was the champagne cork popping, right? There. I know, exactly. <laughs> that was me trying to avoid, avoid the light rays that are following yes. me. Yes. I'm like, whatever, I just gave up. So there we go. <laughs> Rally call and its video. I felt so strongly that I reached out to my community. There are, I feel so fortunate that I have been blessed to know some amazing, accomplished musicians who were able to help guide and shepherd me in getting Rally Call into the nomination process. Nice. So who knows, you know, if it will actually receive a nomination, but the fact that I was able to call upon people who are, you know, further along in their careers and who were so willing and saying they they wrote, I'm not saying their name on purpose just to be, you know, kind or maybe they don't want that exposure, but they literally wrote to their management team and said, this is why I make music for music to like make a difference in the world. So please help her move this through the process as best you can. And his team was fully on board. And so I'm forever grateful for that reasoning, like one, knowing the importance of this work, but two, knowing like the importance of making art, like it is to make a difference on the planet. And so, yes. And with Rally Call itself being so well received, I'm recording actually this week, another song that is, I can't really talk about it, but I'm recording another song that is another anthem that is calling us forward. 
Honey, you are in all the glow right now. I know, I know, exactly. <laughs> this is like, this is a whole new experience recording at this hour when it's like the sun is full on in the Western view, but that's okay, whatever. It's my spotlight. I'm going to own it. Own it. I'm, I'm going to own but, it. So exactly. another song is being recorded oh, right so... now and another video is in conversation for like what we can do to really create something beautiful. Oh, so. I'm so excited. And this is like the momentum feeds off itself. And just right. by the way, to your point about the people who helped you get your get rally call into this consideration process. I mean, amen, because if we're not here to hold the door open for each other, what the hell are we here for? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. I'm forever, forever grateful. And it, it really taught me a lesson. Oh God, what is the lesson? How do I language this? That my art, if I can really let the art do its thing, it makes a difference in the world. That was a very powerful lesson because I was holding space of like, well, I could ask, but he's really accomplished and he's really busy. And I don't want him to think I like him because of that, because I really like him and his family. They're amazing people. But I also felt like this art really needed a platform, like And so it got all my ego stuff out of the way because the art was moving it forward. And to me, that was a huge lesson. That's a massive, massive lesson. And I think it's like, like you said, this is bigger than you. Yeah. Right. This isn't, this isn't, yes, it came from you. Yes. It is tied to your own personal, you know, story and journey. Yes. It's tied to your self-acceptance and stepping into your own voice and your own power. And yet it's so much bigger than that. Right. And so thank you for that because the world does need to hear it. And I think also, you know, another, maybe it's a sub lesson of what you just said. We just don't ask for help often enough. No, that's so true. I mean, we have a culture too that says, if you need help, you are weak. And if you can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, what's the point? You know, like you're a failure. And that's just not true. Like I'm really baffled and I'm surprised, but I'm baffled that people are still pushing the same like self-destroying narratives. Like, come on y'all. Like, we are a community. We are a collection. We are humanity. We can't see ourselves alone. So yes, we need help. That is just a fact. We were born on the planet with 7 billion at this point, 8 billion other souls. Like we're here to be with each other. So yeah. And And that's a hard lesson to unlearn. Yeah, it's a hard. That is that is some serious conditioning that we all that we all are that we all grow up with, right? Yeah. And there's nothing more powerful than our community, and you and I know that because we share a community, mm-hmm. and we have many other communities. And I have never felt as held and supported as I do in our community. And I love that you're also you can always tap into us because we are sharing and voting and educating. And I love that you, yeah, I love that you can tap into your other communities as well and they can open more doors. Okay. So before we leave music, I'm going to give you, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I just have to say, I would love to invite everybody to join the rally call. And I wrote an open letter and it's on my website and I'm sure that will be in the story. It will. But it's moniquedubosemusic.com. And yes, please read that letter and join the rally call. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. We'll make sure that that link is in the show notes. So the last invitation on the music thing before we shift to your theatrical genius (laughs) is, did you want to sing something? Yeah, I'm happy to sing a little bit. Okay. So I'll sing the beginning of Rally Call. 
I'm in the field. My body's broke. My spirit is tired. I need relief. But your God ain't the one who's taking me higher. That's a little bit of it. Mm. It's a tiny bit. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You you have such a gorgeous voice. I, yeah, I have listened to much of your music and now it's like, I don't know how many times I've listened to Rally Call and I'm just like, damn, this is my Get Fired Up song now. (laughs) We all need to get fired up, right? We do. Yeah. My, my hope is that this song like hits everybody in the United States. That's where I want to start. Yeah. Well, and that's only the start, right? Because this isn't limited to the United States, but no, we got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's deep. It's deep here. Okay. So let's shift gears to mulatto math. So desmoid tumor brought out, this conversation brought out all of your creative genius, all of your artivism, (laughs) if that's now, if that's now a word. And I think was it was it first that you started having this conversation and mulatto math started coming out of you, your one woman play, or were they was well, it? Well, it was simultaneous. Okay. It was simultaneous. I was writing music and I was writing I was writing music as a standalone music project, and then I was writing mulatto math, which also includes additional music. And I remember my husband asked me are you sure you want to be doing both at the same time? Because I was like, oh God, no, this too. Oh. Like it was a lot. And I said to him very clearly, I was like, the portal is open. Yeah. I have to do all the work that is ready to come out right now. Like I cannot wait till the show is done or wait till the music is written. Like I had to do everything. So Mulatto Math, that show, I'm forever grateful for that show. And I'm actually in conversation with people and turning into a digital series, which is really exciting. I mean, that's... I going to ask you about that. We haven't talked about it in a while. It's still in the, it's still in the like development stage because what I've discovered is I'm a great first draft writer. The rewrite, rewrite, rewrite on a digital is a lot harder for me. So I'm in that process of development still, but we have some interesting partners who are interested in the project, which is great. But that show was so important because it was a way for me to stand in front of community, in front of strangers, and really share this very intimate, vulnerable journey. And I was just writing an article today and I realized like the last act of that show is not me on the stage alone. It's me in the talkbacks with the audience. Because for every performance, I had a talkback. So people could really process and digest or begin that experience talking about like where they stood on race or where they stood on how they identified themselves, what factors went into like the worlds they, they picked. So yeah, it's, it's been a, an amazing show. I'm grateful for it. What was the, okay, so it's, it's not only an amazing show, it's also an award-winning show. So I know you've won a number of awards. You've taken it coast to coast because I know yep. you've done it in New York, you've done it in LA. 
has it gone other places as well? I it's can't gone to the Pacific Northwest and it's okay. gone outside of the country, uh, actually in, in Europe. So yeah. That's so awesome. So for those who haven't seen Mulatto Mass and knowing that our theaters aren't open right now, <laughs> can you describe a little bit of, what, tell me the subtitle again. I'm blanking on Mulatto it. Mulatto Mass summing up the race equation in America. That's right. Summing up the race equation in America. And it's beautiful because weren't you a math major? Yes. I went to UC Berkeley and I was a math major. (laughs) And so I think this show is also like a coming together. I have compartmentalized my whole life. Be black here, be white here. Like I can show up fully here. I can say this to you here. But like that also spreads out into like my career and what I love to study and my interests. So mulatto math was the like culmination. It included math, it included race, it included identity. I wrote songs. I got to play and be people that are not me. Like it brought everything together. So there's a few equations throughout the show and it follows my personal journey of what is my equation? What makes me up? And if you guys can hear that, that's my son in the bathroom. (laughs) Like, what are the factors that make me up? And so it was just a wonderful, like, bringing together of all of those things. Before we went into shutdown, were you in conversations beyond this digital series to take it to more theaters and to, like, keep going? I was, yeah. Okay, so that's still a possibility as as we start to open up again. Totally a possibility. And I've even talked with some people who have approached me about doing it in the theater with the theater empty and then streaming it. So that's been a conversation. I'm not super excited about that idea because I feel like the talk back is a part of the show. And I wouldn't want to put it fully out there without people having a way. So it just would require, I think, more steps, like creating an online conversation afterwards. Yeah, that's not so hard. Yeah, it's more kind of like creating like the Zoom portal or something to be able to have that that dialogue. So I have to ask you in your, so you play in the show so many different characters from your life, from your past, all of that. Do you have one that was like, well, no, let me ask it this way. Who was the most challenging for you to play? It's not for the reason of like getting into character, but it was my mother. That was the most challenging and not doing her. I can do her in a moment, Monique, like no problem. I can do my mom, but saying the words and having her feel the impact of those words and having to digest that and make sense of it, that was the most challenging of characters to play. And in doing that, I feel like it really opened the door and the train started moving in the mother-daughter, black daughter who's mixed, white mother who's raised her. Like it just started like creating discomfort so that we couldn't not be in real conversation. Mm. So that was the most challenging character to play for that reason. Yeah. Did you have one that was the most fun to play? I loved playing my uncle Bozo just because he's just over the top. He's like, now let me tell you what's going on here. Let me, Monique, come here. Like, you know, be cool, fool. Like, he's just that man. He is North Carolina, U.S. Postal Service carrier for over, you know, 30 years. Like, went to Vietnam. Like, he is, he is such a unique, beautiful human being. And the story he tells in the show is actually really horrific. 
So that part is not always so fun, but being him, he's, yeah, I'm grateful for my uncle. He's really kept kept it real. Yeah, he has kept life real. I love it. So my last question on Mulatto Math, I'm so, I love that you do these talkback sessions or you've done and will continue Mm -hmm. to do when you can these talkback sessions. Like what, is there a particular theme that just comes up over and over or a particular question that comes up over and over again in these conversations that would be helpful for us to understand? I think what comes up most is an energetic and I'll start it that way. People have experienced such a degree of vulnerability that it has allowed them to feel into like uncomfortable places inside themselves. So oftentimes people are, I, I'm so grateful you told this story. It's like the doorway into their worlds. Like people will say, I have you know, people who are mixed in my family and I never considered that they might be having these experiences or you told my story and it's, you know, a white Irish Catholic former nun from Ireland. And I'm like, who's a lesbian, by the way. Like I remember her specifically because I was like, I told your story? Okay. (laughs) And then a Persian woman who grew up with divorced parents. She wasn't mixed in any way, but she grew up with divorced parents and that feeling of having to choose Like feeling like she related my having to choose cultures and race identity to like having to choose like her parents and the love that will feel like it's being pulled away. So people always walked away grateful. They walked away with like reflection. Black men would often share. It was, it was twofold with black men. I would get the, you've told my story. Like you've really shined a light on what it feels like. There are so many landmines we have to walk through or field of landmines we have to walk through. And then I'd get the other piece where it'd be more like upset, like in the story, you, you gave your dad too much. You gave your dad a pass. You gave him too much like forgiveness. So like wow, everybody is triggered, whether it be a negative or a positive, everybody is energized and triggered from the show and walked away with gratitude for the experience. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think the overarching, like the thread through all of this feels like because you were able to go on this healing journey, like a very unique healing journey for yourself that literally started with this tumor, you're helping all of us start to go on our own healing journey and this country go on a massive healing journey. Does it feel like that to you? Yes. As soon as you were speaking, what came to my mind is like this piece that the universe drops in every now and again, which is you're here here to heal race relations in America. I'm like, uh, who are you talking to? No, I'm not. Like, I can't do that. Who am I? Like all those, like I'm one person, like all those things. And so when I can actually like make it a bite-sized piece, I'm aware that my work is contributing to that greater collective of those of us who are doing this work. Like, cause I don't want to take on that by myself. Like that seems insane. <laughs> and, and not, and no one of us can, right? right? However, I'm a big believer. I mean, you know, it's like, I'm on a mission to liberate a billion souls. You're on a mission to help lead us on this healing journey. Of course, you're mm-hmm. not going to do it on your own, but I see like your voice, the more you're owning it, the more you're putting out there, you are our leader. 
You are one mm. of our leaders, right? And mm. by the way, I forgot to say this earlier, but I love that you put out the rally call video on August 28th. Yeah. It's yeah. an auspicious day. Can you talk about that really briefly yeah. as a way to just maybe bring us home? Because to me, that sure. was so poignant and it sets you up as one of the leaders who is going to bring us home in this healing yeah. journey. Thank you. I, I received that. I, I, I received that. August 28th is such an important day in American history. And it feels like an honor that we released it on that day. Emmett Till, who was a young boy from Chicago, who went down to Mississippi to visit his family, much like I used to travel across the country to visit my family in the South. He was murdered. He was abducted and murdered by white men, I think two white men, because one of their wives said she whistled at him, which she later decided to tell the truth that that wasn't the case. But he was so violently murdered that his mother chose to have an open casket ceremony so that the world, uh, that the world could see what had been done to her boy and what was happening in our country. August 28th is the day that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his famous I Have a Dream speech at the March on Washington. So that happened. And then August 28th was the day President Barack Obama, the first African-American president, the first mixed-race president, uh, accepted the nomination to be the first ever non-white male for the Democratic nomination. So there's quite a few beautiful and tragic things that happened on that day. And to be able to share rally call on that day really feels like an honor. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it with us. Is there anything else, like as we go on this journey with you, as we join the rally call, anything else you want to share with my listeners before I ask you to tell them where they can find you because sure. everybody's <laughs> going to be diving in? Yes. This is what I want to share with your listeners. Until we are willing to own all the parts of ourselves, we will never have authentic expression. We will never have true freedom. I mean that specifically to the individual, and I also mean that collectively as a society. Until we are willing to own that I am deeply insecure and I am deeply diva, like until I can make space for all of that in me, I will not be truly free. And as a nation, until we can own our violent history and our phenomenal history, only then will we actually be able to truly be a free nation. That's what I would love to leave your, your listeners with. Oh, our fellow rebel souls. Thank you for that. And by the way, thank you for modeling that because this is you. You even said it with mulatto math. It's like you had compartmentalized all of these pieces and now mm -hmm. you're bringing them all together and look at what it is opening the doors and the portals for you to do. Yeah, you're, thank you're, you. You're modeling it for us. So thank you for that. And now when everybody wants to dive into Monique DeBose, the artist, the musician, the singer, the, oh my gosh, multi-passionate artivist. <laughs> right. Yes. Where can they find you? The best place to go is MoniqueDeBoseMusic.com. Specifically, if you would like to, yeah, that is the best place to go. MoniqueDeBoseMusic.com. 
And we'll put we'll put all of your social handles in the show notes Great. as well. So we'll make sure I am Monique Debose on Instagram, which is oh one God, of the places I follow you. But we'll make sure all that's in the show notes so everybody can follow you. I, Please follow me on Instagram. Yeah. My 12-year-old niece has said to me, I can help you with TikTok. I'm like, I can't be bothered. You do that for me, sure. But I, Instagram is where I where I stop. So please follow me at I am Monique Debose. And you're rocking it on Instagram. I'm like, <laughs> I think I texted you today, and I was like, "Damn, girl, you got these <laughs> hot photos. You're doing these reels. I can't even figure out reels to save my life, but I am not going to take us down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> do not. Like, do not. But anyway. I love our friendship. I'm so grateful to have you in my life and to be able to share everything that you are doing in this world with thank our you. fellow rebel souls. So thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Shelly. I really appreciate who you be in the, oh my gosh, champagne again. Oh my who God, you be my in the world. Thank you. So thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And thanks everyone for tuning in. I'm not even going to say, I hope you enjoyed this because damn, this was so good. I think I got goosebumps like no shorter than like, <laughs> no, no less than like five times during this conversation. So thanks you guys for spending an hour with us. Love you all. Have a great day. Bye. Hey Rebel. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com and follow me at soulbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?